Please join me for a word of prayer as we remain standing. This is from our gospel hymn, O give thine own sweet rest to me, that I may speak with soothing power a word in season as from thee to weary ones in needful hour. Amen. Please be seated. Welcome to Christ the King. We are in a sermon series entitled For All the Saints. You can find some sermon notes on page 11 of your service leaflet. The goal of this sermon series is to look at some of the leaders of the early church and to ask us a few basic questions. Who were they? What inspired them? What can we learn from them? And this Sunday we look at one of the greats, a fellow named Barnabas. And we're going to start with just a brief biography of who was Barnabas. Did you know Barnabas was not his actual name? His real name is Joseph, but uh, he was given a nickname because uh, the word encouragement was so fitting for him. That's what they called him, Barnabas, which actually meant the son of encouragement. Now, we encounter Barnabas throughout the, the book of Acts, and he is a little bit of a background player. So if you were casting uh, characters, he wouldn't be the main actor. He'd just be a, a secondary, uh, a bit role, uh, because he just shows up every once in a while. But, when, and he, it's always in passing, there's never like a big story about Barnabas. It's always, and Barnabas showed up and he did X, Y, or Z, and that's about it. And he fades into the background. Uh, he's not a main character, but the thing is, whenever Barnabas shows up, Good things always seem to happen because Barnabas is an encourager. So the first time I want to look at a biography and just think about this place of encouragement that you see in his life, the first place that uh, Barnabas shows up is very early in the life of the church. Acts chapter 4, uh, this is within days uh, of the founding of the church, so a very, very young uh, organization, a young body, and Barnabas has the distinction of being the first recorded giver to the early church. And it's recorded in Acts chapter 4. You can see the verse reference, I think, in your sermon notes. And the passage, apparently Barnabas was a person of some means. He had a plot of land. He sold the plot of land and gave the entire uh, proceeds to the apostles. So the first example of his encouragement is from his financial generosity. And I just want you to contemplate and consider how encouraging that would be to the early church. And I can feel like I can speak with some authority because I know that the, of the encouragement that comes from the financial generosity of others. Let me explain. Uh, about 10 months ago, we started our capital campaign to raise funds for the, God willing, the hopeful purchase of this place. And we set a very ambitious goal. Uh, and the wardens and I and the vestries sat around. We thought, well, what do we think we need? And it was a very ambitious uh, target. And so on one Sunday, sometime in fall of 2020, we came to you and said, this is what we think we have to do. And it's probably true of most pastors, of most people. Uh, no one likes to talk about money. <laughs> uh, that's true for me. That's probably true for you. And I knew that was going to be a part of my job. Uh, over the next couple of, of months to talk to you about the fiscal necessities and responsibilities we had. So that was on Sunday, and I was sort of dreading the, what came next, the phone calls that I would have to make, and I was traveling the Monday after. The Monday after, I received a phone call from a parishioner who said, look, uh, you don't have to call us. We want to call you. We're going to make a, a, a pledge uh, to you, this initiative. We believe in it. We believe in what this is, what the Lord is calling the church to. Uh, and they made a substantial gift, or a substantial pledge. 
And that was, so I called my wardens. And what was encouraging about that was not only the amount which was significant, but the timing, which was immediate, and the initiative, which was proactive. And it was just such, so encouraging. And we'll touch on this later in the sermon, but all new initiatives seem so fragile. And I bet that early church felt fragile. Here you have a bunch of apostles, 12 maybe, all fishermen, all probably desperately poor. Uh, and here comes Barnabas. And he says, hey guys, I believe in this. I believe in what, what the Lord is doing. And here is evidence of my belief. And it came by way of his financial generosity. And believe me, that was a profound encouragement to those. It's been a profound encouragement to me. And I guess tangentially, one thing I've realized as I've prepared this sermon is I really have been the beneficiary of so much encouragement. Uh, my family, uh, my, my, the people that I uh, worked with, my peers, and I hope the same is true for you. Encouragement is so important. So that's the first example of the encouragement that Barnabas offers, his financial generosity. Acts chapter 11, and excuse me, Acts chapter 9, the next example, next time that Barnabas shows up, and again, it's just in passing. Acts chapter 4, Barnabas shows up, gives a gift, and disappears. Acts chapter 11, same thing. Barnabas appears, and here's the setting. There's this character named Saul. Maybe you know of Saul. Saul started off, or Paul, he became Paul, but he started off as a bad guy. Saul, excuse me, I'm getting my, Saul was a persecutor of the church. Uh, he oversaw the first murder of the first martyr, that being Stephen. Not a good guy. In Acts chapter 9, uh, the Lord appears to Saul, and Saul becomes Paul. And Paul becomes a follower of Christ. And this person who had been persecuting the church all of a sudden starts preaching about Jesus. And there's this great little story in Acts chapter 11 where the early uh, Saul tries to talk to the leaders in Jerusalem. Now what would you do if you were one of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem and you find out that this dog that had just bit you is now a friendly, tame uh, tame pet. You would do exactly what they did, which is say thanks, but no thanks. And so they turned Saul away. But you know who intervened? Barnabas. And there's just this passing reference. Barnabas brought, the brought Paul, Saul, to the apostles. We've seen his generosity of his uh, means, and now we see his generosity of spirit, that here is someone who believed the best about someone about whom everyone else had doubts, and for good reason. Maybe you know the name Jim Baker. If you're a child of the 80s, you certainly do. Uh, Jim Baker was a televangelist, and he represented sort of everything that was wrong with Christianity. Uh, he had some ministry on the television, and one of these... I never watched it, but it sounded like one of these, place your hand on the TV and pray and give me a bunch of money and good things, like one of those. And almost predictably, he fell into a financial scandal, a sexual scandal, and his ministry ended in utter disgrace. And that, for me, was the last time I thought of Jim Baker. Um, but recently, about a year ago, I was reading this uh, biography about uh, Billy Graham, 
And lo and behold, this disgraced tele-evangelist, Jim Baker, shows up again, and here's how he does. Nearing the end of his sentence, uh, Ruth and Billy Graham had Jim Baker over for Sunday worship, followed by Sunday lunch. Now keep in mind, Graham at that stage is probably at the peak of his power. Here's someone who everyone would have nothing to do with, except for Ruth and Billy Graham. And this is uh, Baker's description of it. Together with the Graham family, I attended Sunday worship service at Montreat Presbyterian Church, which was the Graham's parish. Baker recalls that the family, with all the children and grandchildren, filled two entire rows of seats. Ruth entered and sat down right next to him. Baker was overcome by emotion. Just 48 hours earlier, he had been in jail, prisoner 07407, and now he had the honor of worshiping in the midst of the Graham family. Graham, like Barnabas, believed the best about someone who everyone else had discounted. He had a generosity of spirit, and that is such an encouragement. A little tangential uh, anecdote appropriate for Mother's Day. Ruth Graham wrote this. She said, most people fail for lack of encouragement more than any other reason. Excuse me, more people fail for lack of encouragement than for any other reason. And she went on to give this advice to parents. Never let a single day pass without saying an encouraging word to each of your children. What a good word. So the second encounter of Barnabas, a generosity of spirit, an encouragement. Just think what would have happened. No Barnabas, where would Saul be? We encounter him a, full t a few more times, but we're just going to focus on Acts chapter 11. And the setting of this is the gospel. The churches begin to expand. Due to a persecution, the church branches out. And they come to a place called Antioch. New place, new people, new ethnicities. And lo and behold, the church takes root, and the word of God begins to grow. So if you're the leaders in Jerusalem, and that's where the church was based, who are you going to send? You're going to send Barnabas, and that's exactly what they do. Off they go. Off Barnabas goes to visit the church in Antioch. And in verse 23 of chapter 11, we read this. Uh, they sent Barnabas, and he came, and he saw the grace of God, and encouraged them all to continue in the Lord, because he was a good man, and he was full of the Holy Spirit. And that's the one verse that we're going to focus on for the remainder of our time. He, when he arrived, he saw the grace of God and encouraged them, or I think your translation says exhorted them to remain steadfast. And I want to do three things, ask three questions of that passage. Let's look at that word which is translated encouraged in some passages, exhorted in other passages. Let's think about what does it mean. Secondly, let's ask why does everybody need it? Third and finally, let's ask the question, how do you get it? All right, so encouragement, what is it? Follow along in your sermon notes because sometimes just by looking at a word, you can begin to get a sense of what it means. And the word for encouragement comes from, or exhort, comes from the Greek word parakaleo. Parakaleo. Now you hear that's a compound word. Para is the prefix. Kaleo is the root word. Para uh, it means alongside with. So a paralegal works alongside a lawyer. A paramedic works parallel lines run side by side. The word kaleo simply means to call. 
or to urge. And so you combine those two words together and you have the simple definition of parakaleo means to call someone from nearby. So I can't parakaleo from way out here. I need to be close by to call someone forward, to call someone uh, for their own good. And so this word parakaleo is translated in a variety of ways in your, in your Bible. All these English words come from the same word parakaleo. Appeal, urge, exhort, encourage, implore, entreat, comfort, cheer, that old-fashioned word beseech. These are all the same, these all come from the same word, uh, Greek word parakaleo. And there are two essential ingredients in each in, in the two common factors in each of these words. One is a proximity, a nearness. Like a coach is much more effective at encouraging his players due to his proximity. The, play, the, the, the fans in the stadium just don't have the same impact due to their distance. So there's a nearness and then there's a, a calling, an urging forth. You can do this. And again, a coach is able to do that. He can, he can whisper to his players when they're feeling down. He can exhort his players when the players are, are lagging. He can encourage their players when their players are, are doing the right thing. He can call them forth. And that is what parakaleo means, to be near and to call forth. Now, why do you need it? We all, I'm going to argue that you, we all need this type of thing happening to us. We all need to be the recipients of parakaleo, of encouragement, exhortation, comfort, etc. And here's, think of Pavlov's hierarchy of needs. I think you can survive without encouragement. You just can't thrive. Like you can, you can live. You just, you're just not going to live a big life. You're not going to live a, a, a kind of faithful life of this saints that we see in the Bible. Yeah, you can make it, and here's why. Well, let me explain why. Uh, a few years ago, someone asked me about uh, church planting. And they said, well, is planting a church, and Christ the King is a, a church plant? Um, I said, is it, is it harder? Is it harder than pastoring a church? And I said, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I don't think it's any, any harder or any more easier than any pastoral, or any job. Every job has its challenges and difficulties. Um, but I, I, I said there, I think there are some differences. I th think the difference of starting off as a church plant is just a little more lonely and feels a little more fragile. I, same way with that 127, the, the, the pledge campaign. You start off with this idea, we're going to raise this amount of money. We're going to start off with an idea. We're going to start a church. And it feels like a house of cards. It's just a simple, and it could disappear. And the thing is, most of us, certainly not myself, probably not you, will ever have the courage to step out to do anything aside from the status quo without a good amount of encouragement. And I know the same is true for me. I know that is true for me, and I'm guessing it's true for you. Can you survive without encouragement? Yep. But you'll never have the type of life that you see reflected in the saints of old, this big life, 
adventurous life, a life that believes in God and steps out in faith. That's why you need it. So our third and final question, if you need it, how do you get it? Now, do you think that Barnabas just happened to be the great type of guy? And just, a, just that type of person who was encouraging? Probably. He probably was more encouraging than your average bird. Uh, some of you are like that. Some of you are just naturally inclined to encourage. Speaking of mothers, mothers are likely a more encouraging voice than, than fathers. Uh, not all the time, but I think that would certainly be true from my experience, both personally and otherwise. Some people are just more encouraging, but is that the only thing? Can we just say, ah, you know what, encouragement is just not my deal, so I'm going to push that to somebody else. No. Here's why. Um, we're given a hint of it in our passage, and you see the description of Barnabas. It says he was a good man, but do you see what else he was described as? He exhorted people, he encouraged people because he was a good man and what? Full of the Holy Spirit. Ah, that's a hint. So in uh, the Greek language, just like in English, you can make a verb, you can make a noun out of, of a verb. So someone who runs, verb, can be described as a runner, noun. If you take the verb parakaleo, encourage, exhort, etc., and you can make that a noun, and the noun that you get is the word paraclete. So a parakaleo is to comfort, to encourage, to exhort. Uh, to the paraclete is the comforter, the exhorter, the encourager. Now, why is that important? Well, would you believe that the comforter, the paraclete, is one of the, if I could say it reverently, a nickname for God? Just like Barnabas had a nickname, God has a nickname. Again, I say that as reverently as possible. John chapter 14, Jesus is about to leave his disciples. He says, I'm going, but don't worry, I'm going to send you somebody else. You know who he's going to send? The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who he calls the paraclete, the comforter. And that's how some translations describe it. I will send you another, an advocate, a comforter your friend. And what does an encourager do? An encourager is near you. An encourager calls you forward. And so here's the point. God is near you through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. God is for you through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. God, like a coach, is whispering to you or shouting to you or simply placing their hand on your shoulder, whatever the case may be comforting you when you are down, exhorting you when you are lagging, encouraging you when you are headed the right direction. Every follower of Christ has an encourager, the paraclete. He is with you, and he is calling you forward through his word, through his body, the church. And the great thing about those who have been comforted, those who have received the paraclete, those who have been exhorted, those who have been encouraged, have something to give out of the overflow. As the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, we may know the God who comforts, parakaleo, us, 
in our affliction so that we may able, be able to parakaleo, comfort those who are in their afflictions with any of the comfort, parakaleo, which we ourselves are parakaleo, comforted by God. Those said simply, Barnabas was full of the paraclete, the comforter, and therefore he was able to comfort others. So we're going to close with a song, a song for our reflection. And as we consider this great song that promises that God is a God of comfort, I'd like you to reflect on two things. I want you to reflect on the God for whom comfort is such a part of his character that he takes it as his name, the comforter. And then just reflect on the world around you, which needs the comfort that maybe only you can give. Let me pray, and then a song. Bountiful God, giver of all gifts, you poured your spirit upon your servant Barnabas and gave him the grace to encourage others. Help us by his example to be generous in our judgments, unselfish in our service, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, both now and forever. Amen. <laughs>